Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Bad habits are really easy to start and they're really hard to break. So if you allow the bad habits of, you know, terrible spending habits, terrible investment opportunities, there is a really hard journey to get back from that. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. As we ironically become more financially stressed, a lot of times what we do is spend more. It's a very ironic thing, but it's a way to relieve that stress. So it turns into this vicious cycle. Can you imagine the day when you do not have to stress about money? I think it can feel like that day is never going to come. But if you learn what to do with your money and you start taking small actionable steps, you can reach a place where you start to stress less. And I know this personally because I have lived this. I walk through this every single day. 
So in this episode, you have got two guests who are here to guide you along the way. Carl Nasbid is a financial literacy advocate and a pro NFL linebacker who is also the first openly gay active NFL player. And Liz Davidson, she's been on the show previously. She's the owner of Financial Finesse, a financial education company, and the author of her new book, Money Strong, Your Guide to a Life Free of Financial Worries. So together, Liz and Carl, they're out fighting the good fight to just help spread financial literacy to everyone, hoping you too can become money strong. So in this episode, we're going to dive into Carl's money story of becoming an NFL player, learning how to deal with money for really the first time in his life, Liz's five keys to success to transform your relationship with money called START, what it means to be authentic with your money, and so much more. All right, let's start talking. I'd love to just kick off this discussion talking, we've got a lot of things to talk about, but really focusing on financial literacy and how that can help all of us. And, uh, you know, this idea of being money strong with this quote from you, Carl, that you wrote in the foreword of Liz's new book, it's really stood out with me. You said one day, all in caps, that you would not have to worry about money. One day you would not have to buy the cheapest food. One day you could afford an emergency bill. One day you would have the life you always envisioned. And I think for so many of us, this just really sums up how we're feeling right now with money. We're mm-hmm. being stressed out. Um, yep. You know, there's a lot of things coming at us. So, you know, I want to hear from you both, but Carl, I just want to start with this idea. Like, tell us about this word, like, like mon- one day, you know, and this idea that like one day money won't be so stressful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was in college, I started off as a, a walk on at Penn State on the football team. And back in 2011 was my first year on the team. And I was taking money $10 at a time from my bank account, putting it in my uh, meal plan account because I could only take over $10 at a time. It was the most resourceful I ever had to be, I ever had to be my entire life. I used to have my friends drive me to Walmart. So I would spend $40. I was just telling the story last night. It's too funny. Um, I would spend $40 a week on groceries. I would buy this Walmart $2 pound chicken that was like the size of a football, you know, it was pumped with, you know, God knows what half of it was water. But anyway, I just was always in my mind, just hoping for the day where I could not be stressed. I would, I used to count like on the, when you go into the grocery store, it was, you know, cents per ounce, cents per, per, uh, pound. It's just like, I would find the cheapest option always. And it wasn't the most healthy, most nutritious option. And that was, you know, always a factor for athletes is you want to have the best nutrition. And then I even got put on scholarship and I was still kind of doing the same thing. And it doesn't seem like it should be that way. It seems like when you're on scholarship, things should be taken care of. You should be in the best place physically, health wise, mentally, all those different things. And I just really wanted to come to a place. I I was never really brought up doing the most extravagant things. Right. You know, my four siblings and I, we were super happy with a deck of cards (laughs) and a pack of Coke. Like it was Coca-Cola, you know, chips and a pack of cards and we were good to go. Yeah. So I never had these dreams of like, 
you know, being incredibly wealthy, I just wanted the bare minimum and the, and the, just the means to not have to stress about that stuff every single day. And I feel like that's what a lot of people want. They just want, you know, to live life without financial stress. And that kind of stress has, you know, really long lasting effects. And Liz knows that better than anybody about the effects that financial stress does. And especially in a college environment, that was something that I dealt with on a daily basis. So yeah, I'm very lucky to be where I am now and very lucky to be surrounded by awesome people like Liz and the, and the financial finesse team and, you know, getting other people, all, you know, on board with this about financial wellness and reducing as much financial stress as possible. Yeah. So Liz, you know, I feel like no matter how much money we have, you, money is still this like number one cause of stress, right? And, and it, it doesn't, it usually doesn't go away. And, you know, I think that points to a, a lot of things we're going to talk about around money, our relationship with money, the, the way we grow up thinking about money, false money beliefs, like all of these things that kind of come into play, you know, so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, how does, how does that idea of, of one day and us getting to that place of, of financial freedom, like, how does that resonate with you? Interesting. I start the book Money Strong with um, the song from the OJs, Money, 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 Money. <laughs> Obviously, you know, my career as a singer <laughs> so didn't take off. Um, but, you know, what's fascinating about that, we know that. What's the first thing you think about when you think of that song? And The Apprentice. Well, it, it was the Donald oh, Trump Apprentice, apprentice yeah. opening and yeah, he the helicopter to- and, you know, all the extravagance, right? But when you read the lyrics to that song, it's an incredibly dark song. It was written during the civil rights era. It's about the level of desperation that happens when you just have your your below even basic minimum amounts of money needed to sustain yourself, right? And and provide for your family and the things you will do to just get to that survival level. And so, you know, everyone's on a different path, right? But I think what money is to people, I mean, it's a finite resource. And I think we are programmed as humans, you know, to survive and to always have in the back of our minds this stress of do we have enough, right? Do we have enough to do what we want to do? And it goes from, you know, getting that financial stability. But even as you achieve more um, and you have more of a cushion and a buffer, there's that stress of, am I keeping up with everyone else? Like, you know, am I doing this right? And do I have enough to live the kind of life that I'm seeing other people live? And it's just one of those things that, you know, I think there's two aspects to it. One is getting to whatever enough is for you, for what life you want. But the other is accepting that there isn't enough (laughs) that you, you know, this concept that, you know, people will hit certain (laughs) levels of income and wealth and still not feel like they have enough. And some of that may be that they're overspending, but some of it is just this psychological pressure we put on ourselves. So it's self-induced stress. I mean, we we work with a lot of higher income, even higher, you know, um, net worth people that have this financial stress because they don't have as much as they think they should have. And it's 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 problematic. Money should be fuel for building the life you want, achieving your purpose, doing what you want with your time 
and giving your talents back to the world, you know, ideally to make it a better place, right? That's what it's for. And if you look at it that way, you can get to enough, I think, in a much more healthy fashion. And Carl, even in, you know, being an NFL player, um, I know from from working with, um, you know, celebrities and, and ex-athletes, it's, you know, you you earn a lot of money, right? When you're in your 20s, maybe early 30s, and you kind of build your lifestyle around mm-hmm. all that money that you're earning. And then yep. maybe you get hurt or injured or your career comes to an end. And then there's that moment of like, oh, crap, <laughs> like, what am I going to do? And how is there how is there going to be enough? And I can really see where, you know, learning about money and having some foundation behind you is so critically important. But we tend to think like, oh, you're an NFL player. Like, what do you actually need to to know about money? Yeah. I mean, I feel like bad habits are really easy to start and they're really hard to break. So if you allow the bad habits of, you know, terrible spending habits, terrible investment opportunities, there is a really hard journey to get back from that. And we're trying to get to athletes, not just football players that I know. We're trying to get to college athletes now. We're trying to really show that a little bit of education can be very, very powerful. Um, I really, really, you know, kind of breaks my heart when I hear some of the stories from athletes, really just there in a very, you know, you, you wouldn't suspect a professional athlete to be in a vulnerable state, but they are, they're very, they do not have the edge, you know, more times than not, they don't have the education, the resources or someone to advocate for them totally altruistically. They don't have someone looking out for them in their best interests that it also, they might not be even educated as well. So a lot of professional athletes and people who earn a lot of money very, very quickly, you know, you look at lottery winners they do the same thing. They spend all their money and it's gone in a few years. So it's, it's very, it breaks my heart when I hear these stories. And it's something that I think is a huge missed opportunity for a lot of people. I think it's a huge missed opportunity for um, young athletes. And I, when I say young, I'm, I just had my 30th birthday yesterday. And so um, it is, it's a huge missed opportunity for a lot of young athletes to start their journey of, you know, starting their journey of building generational wealth. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and I want to get back to, to talking about college athletes in just a little bit, because I know the landscape has really changed mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. But let's, uh, let's go a little bit broader, Liz, and, and talk about financial literacy kind of in general. You know, there are, as, as far as I know, there are 35 states uh, that still do not mandate financial literacy in schools. And, you know, Americans, we're being asked to just manage our own financial well-being and we're, you know, we're not doing very well with it. <laughs> you know, we look at the retirement numbers and we're, we're not doing very well. Um, you know, marginalized Americans don't have access to financial literacy and, you know, it's just the whole system is not working for us. So kind of a big question here, but this may seem obvious, but I want to dig around here a little bit. You know, what role does financial literacy and learning about money, how does that play into us being able to live a life, you know, like free of financial worries and build that generational wealth? Uh, you know, it's it's very frustrating sometimes being in this field, and I'm sure you share this frustration, where we talk so much about how important this is bipartisan agreement on how important this is. Everyone says it needs to happen. And then 
it's not happening at the pace. It's, it is improving. And there's a, a great deal of increased awareness when we look over long periods of time. You know, we started the company in 99 and where we are today, worlds of difference, but we're still not anywhere near where we need to be. And, you know, I, I don't really know why, right? I think we, it's something we just tend to talk about more than take action on. And, um, you know, what, what I will say is financial literacy is important for so many reasons. And you're right that those that need it the most are most likely in school systems that don't have it, right? So that's also the deep irony that those of us that get it tend to be already better off, you know, than those that don't. And so it's, it creates even a, a, a bigger wealth gap, I think, with that uneven distribution of financial literacy. But it is very, very important from a foundational level because although financial literacy doesn't solve behavioral issues, right? I can know I need to do something, but doesn't mean I'm going to act on it. I need to know the basics as a foundation to even know what the right decision is then I have to figure out how to act on it, right? And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's not sufficient. No, it's not. But it's necessary, right? It, it's absolutely necessary. Right. And we really need to do everything we can as a society to come together and say, this needs to be in schools. And it needs to be in schools in a very meaningful way, not just one class in, you know, one semester, you know, it should be woven throughout the curriculum. Um, and it needs to be something that those of us that are in the industry advocate and have co conversations about and encourage others to come forward and share their journeys. So we break this taboo that money is something, you know, that we have to keep secret and that we can't share our lessons and our advice and our stories. Um, because the more we can break that taboo, you've seen it with mental health, the more it will become comfortable, you know, to have these discussions even outside of schools and, you know, in in the homes and more companies like ours that do financial education and coaching at work will have more traction from employees that are comfortable talking about their finances, you know, to someone they don't know and getting the help they need. Yeah, one of my lofty goals, especially with the show, is to create an environment where people feel like you could go hang out with your friends and talk about money and not the good stuff always, but you know, maybe something that 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 didn't go so well or so, something that you're struggling with, just like you would talk about anything else with your friends, but to be able to have uh, you know, that space where it's okay to talk about money from that perspective, I think would be, would be really cool to actually be able to get. Because everyone should be um, talking yeah. about money, right? Yeah. Name of the podcast. <laughs> that should be how exactly, it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know. And, and, yeah. And I've talked about that before is, you know, when I have conversations with teammates, friends, and a lot, and if they are not in a good place financially, they're worried about their credit, their, their balance, whatever it is. They always come up to me in whispers, you know, it's, it's like, it's like their deepest, yep. darkest secret. I'm like, man, why is this, why are we like this? You know what I mean? It's like, these are problems that everybody has at some point in their life. Like everybody has peaks and valleys in their financial journey. So whether you're doing well now or not, like you're probably experiencing the same 
things that like most people are. So I totally agree that if there's a way to cultivate a culture that is very forward thinking and it's positive and it's, you know, there's no judgment about like, because financial mistakes can happen to the smartest people or the least educated people. So it, it really, it really has a huge spectrum. And I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I hope that there's a day where, you know, the conversations are, they have so much less uh, intensity to them and a lot more, you know, positive outcomes. Yeah, I was just watching a clip as I was prepping for our conversation of you talking to um, teammates oh, at the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. and you were, yeah. you know, talking about compound interest and how this kind of went viral, and just the reaction of the players of like, you know, no way, like money can't. <laughs> that was possibly, my reaction. Yeah, yeah like money absolutely. can't possibly work this way. We're gonna we'll link yeah. the clip in the show notes because it's really engaging. But you know, I'm cool. I'm curious, Carl. Like, what are some of the the biggest money lessons that you've learned? You know, working with Liz and kind of over the years that that you really wish like everyone knew. Yeah, absolutely. I um so in the clip I mentioned compound interest, but I was generally just talking about compounding and I was I made it they made it look like I was saying you can get 10% interest somewhere. So I just wanted to clarify that I was talking about just compounding in general. It's like the eighth wonder of the world everybody always says. And how excited they were about hearing that. That's how excited I was. I I had a, a book by Tony Robbins like this was years ago. And I kept going back and forth in the pages because I couldn't believe, wow, if you put away money um, when you're 22, how it can work for you by the time you retire. And that is the that is the one thing that, you know, you just ask, like, if we, there's one lesson we can t- teach these younger athletes, these younger people is the power of compounding when you're investing at such a young age and getting your money to work for you. Um, that is something that I really had no idea and then once I read it and I just wanted to tell everybody about it, because I was like, why isn't this common knowledge? Why isn't this being taught in high school? I went through four years of college, never had that brought up to me. Right. So we could always talk about all oh, you, you know, these there's the risks, there's these all these horror stories. But why don't we talk about the huge opportunity is and the positive um, lessons and the positive results that you can get from just a little bit of investing, putting money in uh, a couple IRA accounts, a Roth and a regular one, that's totally good. And then maxing out your 401k wherever you are. Those little things go so far for young investors. And I just wish that that was the lesson people knew is that get started young and really let that nest egg grow as fast as it possibly can. And the cool thing about that too, about you know compound interest that you're talking about is if you're not an NFL player and you don't have, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of money, you could still get yeah. started with a very small amount of money. And the math and the the time horizon that you have, it's still very much on your side. And you could totally amass. I mean, that that snowball grows kind of no matter you know how much money we're we're dealing with. And so, you know, I'm Yeah, just, after that after that clip, my friend who's a nurse came up to me and they said, Hey, I didn't know about this. Like, how can I do it? And I said, you're doing the same thing that we are like, just invest what you have and, and let it grow for you. And they were 25. Like I was, so it transcends industries. You know, this isn't common knowledge that everybody has, even though it's such simple information, I think that it needs to be more commonly taught and talked about. Uh, uh, With employees we coach is from day one, saving $3 a day. I mean, just something tiny, and, you, you know, we have a calculator that will show you 
based on this daily savings, right? Do that for them until they're 18, but or 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 whatever point. But you know, get them understanding why maybe they take over at some point and they start doing it. But just that discipline of thinking of it that way, $33 a day is $90 a month. For most people, that's doable. If it's $1 a day, it's what it compounds to over time. You you are literally setting your child up to be financially secure and in you know develop those habits and behaviors of saving. And it's it's just a tremendous, it's mind-blowing. You know, you put the numbers in this calculator and they're so little. But then you look over long periods of time and you're like, this is millions of dollars. How did that happen with, you know, a few dollars a day? It's crazy. And the kid will be very thankful somewhere oh, down the line that there is a very nice Absolutely. <laughs> and talk about, you know, we all want our kids to be independent, right? And we want them to succeed in this rough world. And, you know, what a simple thing to do that can be so powerful, such a great teaching tool, but also equip your child with the gift of financial freedom. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy, workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works you sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom etm and use promo code ETM at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeletemecom slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. Yeah, and Liz kind of going tag teaming onto this idea of some action items that we can take. You know, in your in your book, you talk about these five keys to um, success to really transform your relationship with money and you call them start. And I want you to kind of walk us through this idea of start and how we can use this, you know, in our with our own money. Yeah. So start is a proprietary framework we built and we built it looking at 24 years of call history. Um, we do a financial coaching line uh, or we provide financial coaching as an employee benefit And so we've been tracking in aggregate all these calls that we've gotten over all these years from employees and looking at what gets them to progress. Like what are the key things that regardless of where they are economically, regardless of their age or their cultural background, what are the commonalities that drive progress? And that's really where START came from, was identifying those commonalities. And it stands for really five principles that if you follow, 
you really, it really leads you to financial success over time. The first is to set yourself up for success because our environment is so critically important, you know, to our future, right? The friends you surround yourself with, the automation you do, right, to make saving easier as opposed to having to have the willpower to constantly, you know, every month save, um, which we which know we, know we, we don't have, have. <laughs> having a sense of a financial identity. So you're, the way you spend your money is kind of pre-decided for you because these are your values and you're going to just kind of automatically spend in line with that and not spend on things that aren't. All of those things, uh, money scripts, right? Understanding what's really going on. What have you learned about money that might not be serving you well? And how do you change that script consciously so that in the background, you know, that's driving your success. So setting yourself up for success is the foundation. But then it, it talks about tackling your financial stress because that's such a major issue. And it's not just the financial component of what you need to do, but the psychological component. And they feed each other. As we ironically become far more financially stressed, a lot of times what we do is spend more. It's a very ironic thing, but it's a way to relieve that stress. So it turns into this vicious cycle. So how do you tackle that? How do you bulletproof your finances so that you're you're, you have a level of financial resilience if something happens. Then it's about attaining the life you want. What does that life look like? It may not be what you've been told you should have, but what does your life look like that is, you know, going to make drive the most happiness and fulfillment for you? And what breaking that into goals and then how do you save and invest for those goals? Role model financial habits, positive financial habits and behaviors. Because when you role model, you're not only paying it forward, you're reinforcing it for yourself. And all the studies show people that serve as mentors, sponsors, role models have a higher success rate. And then the last is thrive by living your purpose. So, you know, really all of this ends up with the ability to have the freedom to live the life you want to live and not be beholden to a relationship you don't want to be in, a job you don't want to do, you know, other compromises you might make that don't feel in, in in integrity because you need to do so for financial reasons. And kind of thinking about that, um, you know, it brings me to something else that I'm really passionate about, this idea of authenticity and how, you know, each of us show up every day to kind of be ourselves and how it's hard. It's a hard thing to do to yeah. be to be authentic. And I think it either, you know, stops us from being who we want to be in life or we use it to maybe be someone we aren't. If we're being, you know, authentic, we maybe can spend and save, totally. you know, in a way that that really aligns with our, our values. And we talked about this idea of judgment, that we can do that, you know, without judgment, without negativity. Hopefully that's the yeah. goal, right? It takes a lot yeah. to get there. But, you know, I think Carl, you know, one of the things that that I love about you is your your decision to come out as the first, you know, openly gay NFL player. And that's a very Thank you. authentic move. That's a very authentic place to be. And I think Thank you. you know, it's it's important to to talk about with sort of the framing of, of our conversation here today, because I know sure. there's probably somebody listening that feels like, you know, maybe in their life or in their money, they're not being authentic. Maybe they're spending and saving certain totally. ways that that feels out of line with themselves, but they don't know how to get to that place of, totally. of feeling like they can show up authentically. So I was 
one of you just, you know, share your story a little bit and maybe even how, you know, coming out and being authentic has helped, you know, with your own money journey. Yeah. I, I love that parallel of just living authentically in all aspects of your life. Um, I think that just goes with that classic saying, keeping up with the Joneses. I think that a lot of people are really entrenched in social media. They see these highlight reels of people that are their age doing certain things and hitting certain milestones and they don't feel like they're matching up, right? They're feeling like, oh, I have to live up to these certain expectations that everybody else is seemingly to is seemingly in love with. And that is something that I wish people just would throw out the window. I wish that everybody would realize they're on their own journey. They have to do what makes them happy. I tell my siblings this all the time. I say, life like quickly becomes a series of obligations. Really, you just have so many things that you just have to do. And very rarely do you get to do things that you want to do that make you happy. So whenever you have the opportunity to do something that is true to you and makes you happy, you have to do it. You really just have to be brave, be excited about it. And don't worry if people, you know, it's always, what is it called? Um, Don't uh, yuck my yum. You know, when somebody... makes you feel stupid for doing something that you love. Like those are the worst types of people. You should never listen to those types of people. People who are confident in themselves only want to bring up other people, people who are confident and stable in their financial journey. All they want to do is help other people reach that people who are really in a delicate state. They're in a precarious part of their life. They're always trying to tear people down. Right? So when I look at people who are just negative all the time, I said, wow, you're probably not in a really good state of your life. When you're around people who want to build everybody up from the bootstraps and make a positive impact on other people's lives, those are the people that are most confident in themselves and that are living um, authentically in a daily, you know, in a daily way. So I love that. I think that that is something that people should talk about more is living authentically financially. You know, I've never heard that. And I think that's amazing. I love that. You know, I think that's amazing. Like why I'm going on a tangent, but like, you see, I... I like wearing very like normal clothes. I see people wearing the ugliest clothes I've ever seen in my entire life. And they're so expensive and they're only wearing them because other people are wearing them. And I was just like, wow, that is not really authentic to me. It's not true to you. I don't understand why, but they're all just trying to keep up with the Joneses. So that's a small microcosm of how people are spending irrationally for things that are not essentials. And if we could make saving for retirement, saving for college, saving for your kids' college, that, you know, that can be as common as your skincare routine, then I think we'd be in a good, I think we'd be in a a really good state. But living authentically financially is something that I think we should all write a book about. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club. A daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. 
So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building our portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I was just having um, breakfast with a, with a friend yesterday, and um, yeah. we were talking about this idea of authenticity. And uh, she was saying that she had her partner had, had asked her something um, about spending money and was it authentic <laughs> or not. And she said, "You know, do you want to be liked or do you want to be authentic with your choice?" And I love he, that. he just kind of walked away like in a stupor, like he he wasn't sure how to process that. Mind, you know? mind yeah. blown right there. And, yeah. then, and then came back later and he was like, no, I, I want to spend it authentically. And she's like, all right, well, you know, go off and figure out like what that looks like. Okay, so, yeah. I, you know, I think that's that's really interesting. Yeah. Liz, did you have something you want to jump in on? I think there's another angle to this, which is when you have enough money and you feel comfortable, you have the ability to be more authentic, right? Because it breaks my heart when I hear people say, you know, I had to deal with these uncomfortable situations at work. Like I couldn't stand up and use my voice and advocate for what I believed in because what if, if I can't lose this job, right? So I can't bring my full self to the table. Yeah. And it, that is you know, that's, that really is a mental health thing that just wears and, and tears on you. And if once you get to a place where you aren't so beholden to the paycheck because you have a cushion, you can afford to say, no, I don't agree with that. Or here's what I really think. And, and you can afford to show up as you are, you know, and that's a, a very different work experience that is just brought on, you know, by having a, a bit more of a financial cushion. Liz, I, I totally agree with that. I, I 
I co-sign that a thousand times. I agree with that. <laughs> well, you know, kind of transitioning from that into, you know, something you're you're both working on, um, the NIL long game. I want to talk a little bit about this because, you know, the the market for, for college athletes and getting paid and all of that is like sort of shifted over the last couple of years. And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of people on each side of the fence that have opinions of whether that's a good thing or not a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I can really see where obviously learning about money, you know, when you're in college, if you didn't get it in high school and kind of back to how we started this conversation, like it's, it's really important to know, you know, when you've got all these um, offers and brand deals and all these things coming at you, what to do with that money and h- how to, yep. you know, make it grow. So tell me a little bit about like what, what you guys are doing and how you're, how you're helping college athletes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love when there's a conversation that is not so black and white and there are differing opinions because it's very true that it could be an amazing thing, but it also could be a, a bad thing. Liz and I have talked about this a lot, that this could be a huge opportunity for college athletes and high school athletes now too, to start their journey even earlier to financial freedom. And Liz has spoken about how, you know, that we're also, if they're not advocated for and they're not given resources like NIL long game, the unbiased, real lessons to be learned, then they can get themselves into really big trouble, right? And Liz talks about it a lot about those, you know, pitfalls that, that young people can take. But I think from a, you know, speaking from experience, I think it's an incredibly positive thing. I think it's amazing that they're now able to, um, earn income off of their brand, off of their name, image, and likeness. I think it's incredibly positive. I wish that I had it when I was in college. (laughs) But I think that having something like Liz has built for these kids is absolutely essential now more than ever. You know, it's such an important crossroads these student athletes are are at because it's crazy to think about, but getting a huge amount of money could be the worst thing that ever happened to them if they spend it and don't pay taxes and end up in debt to the IRS, if they have a contract, there's these contingent marketing contracts that if they get the money up front, but then don't fulfill, you know, key metrics, they have to pay it back in case some cases with interest. And so you're owing money to, you know, the brand that you, you know, thought was going to be paying you money, right? It's crazy, but these things can really put you in a deep financial hole Alternatively, if they do this right, they have the opportunity at such a young age, everything we've been talking about with this compounding, right? At such a young age to achieve a degree of financial freedom that for many of them, you know, the sports that are making the most money have the greatest percentage of uh, African-American college students. It's basketball and football. And many of them come from humble beginnings, on top of that. So imagine this opportunity to close the racial wealth or narrow the racial wealth gap. I think it'll take a lot to close it because if they are able to do the right things and able to get the education and get the guidance around how to invest that for their futures, that is not only financial security for them, but I mean, we're talking about amounts of money that could be well into the millions by the time they're in their 20s and 30s. And imagine what that does for their family, as well as their, you know, their family of origin or whatever, as well as future generations. And and imagine the impact 
of them on social media talking about these habits and behaviors and the success they've had and encouraging those that look up to them because they are heroes to an entire generation, encouraging those to look up to they look up to them to do the same. And I think we have a we have this this inroad to really impact an entire generation if we can do this right. And so that's really was the impetus of building NIL Long Game, which is a financial literacy certification course for student athletes so that they can get that, you know, financial literacy and have that really good starting point, um, ideally before they get a single dollar from NIL. And I don't know what the what the stat is um, exactly. Carl, you may have like a better, better insight of this, but, you know, there's a huge percentage of college athletes that don't go, don't go on to the pros. And so, you know, they, they're making majority of them. Yeah, yeah, the majority of them. So they even have this ability to make money while they're in college, you know, may not go to the pros, but the amount of money that they make in college still could build generational wealth if, if the right, you know, kind of systems were in place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, uh, I'm so terrible with names, but there's a, a women's basketball player from Iowa who I think is staying in college because she's making so much money from NIL. Right. But that is that is a very that is the outlier of, you know, the 99 percent of college athletes that do not go pro. Um, A lot of them go on to other careers doing amazing things and making an impact and on ways outside of the court and field and hiring, you know, student athletes. They have the best work ethic. They are the most driven, goal oriented people that I've ever met. And what they do is you know they they're part of a bigger whole where it's not just the hot top earners that they're being singled out like hey you need this education no this is education that we don't that we all can use it doesn't matter for making an extra five thousand dollars a year an extra five thousand dollars a year for a walk on and at Penn State for me would have gone so far I remember when I first saw I was in college and I had a comma <laughs> in my bank account for the first time for the first time ever and I saw that comma and I and I had like literally like one thousand eighty dollars I didn't spend that eighty dollars for like three weeks you know it like I wanted to keep that comma more than anything so I, again, like this is this is a little bit goes a long way. A little bit of extra cash goes so far. When I was in college, a pipe burst in my house and the bill was like $600 per person. I had to sell my books to pay for that. You know what I mean? This is like I the level of broke I was just could not be understated. So there are people like me who go pro and end up making money through sports, but Education like this can benefit everybody, no matter how much income they're bringing in from being an athlete. And if it's something that is, you know, relevant among all student athletes, it's going to stick. If it's something that's just a few people are doing it, they're not going to want to do. I'm the only one doing this, right? That's going to be a little tough to make it stick. But if everybody else is doing it, we're all keeping up with the Joneses, but actually in a positive way, uh, then it's going to stick and it's going to be really, really positive. Yeah, I was at a conference yesterday, and and someone said. Well, what if what if a student athlete goes through the you know NIL long game certification program and never gets any NIL? And I was like, they get educated. I mean, like, like they're yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is it is still such an incredible benefit to have that education. Obviously, the education coupled with the money from NIL, you know, it, it takes it to another level. But I was like. 
you know, that's really not a bad thing here. And, and when we're talking to universities, what we're starting to, they're starting to see is, wait a minute, why are we, would we only do this for athletes? So what's happening with NIL and the education that we and others are starting to do with it, the financial literacy, is they're starting to go, oh, okay, well, what this is relevant to every college student and should we be thinking broader? So I think that's a nice unintended consequence that hopefully will accelerate colleges embracing financial literacy in a much bigger way. I hope you make some inroads because I spent 10 years um, as an adjunct professor at a college in, in Los Angeles teaching financial literacy courses that oh, I nice. had created. Like we didn't use a book. We used podcast episodes and YouTube videos and articles. Nice. And, like I wanted it to be really personable to all the students. Mm-hmm. Most of them were first generation students. Um, and, you know, it just was so impactful to see how learning, even if they just took away one or two things that they remembered about money, how that could really change, you know, the trajectory of their lives and their whole family's lives, because they would go home and teach it, you know, to their brothers and sisters and their parents. And, you know, they would start having these conversations around money. So, you know, I'm, I'm just a huge advocate that, you know, what you're saying, Liz, is like worst case scenario is not not a worst case scenario. You know, it brings us back yeah. to this, this importance of learning about money. And I just I wanted to kind of circle back here at the end, um, talking about another quote from you, Carl, from the forward of, of Money Strong. I kind of close out this way. So you say that, you know, money is about freedom. I think that's something we can yep. all sort of relate to, this freedom from stress, freedom to discover who you want to be, uh, what you want to do with your your talents and time, and what will truly make you feel happy, excited, and fulfilled. And that it's also freedom to be able to live the life that gives you that deep, enduring sense of fulfillment, knowing you're happy with who you are, what you're doing, and most importantly, the impact you're making, which is great, kind of ties this all together with a bow here. But I, I want to hear from you both about this idea, you know, that that knowing how important financial literacy is and this idea of becoming money strong. If we're listening, we've talked about so many different things, like where do we go from here? to start or continue down our journey of, of financial freedom and, and, and getting rid of some of this financial stress? Yeah, I think that for anybody who doesn't have financial freedom, they're chained to a job that they hate. They're in a, in a situation that with just a little bit of extra funding, they could really start a process of getting to financial freedom. I think that surrounding yourself with people who are in a similar place with, with you and that have similar goals, if that could be the starting point for anybody, having that camaraderie, having that community is what really keeps people honest. It keeps people on the right path. I think that was the, one, of the, one of the best things that made me achieve my goals. And I told us that, you know, everybody that going from a walk-on to an All-American, I surrounded myself with the best players and the most hardworking players, first and foremost, the most hardworking players at Penn State. So if these, if people who aren't experiencing financial freedom, they need to surround themselves with people who are in similar situations, understand the struggle, and also buy in to the, to the steps they need to take to get to financial freedom. That's the number one thing I think people need to do. Yeah, I would echo that. I would also say, remember, you can start small. You don't have to change everything immediately. You can start small and and be kind to yourself and know it's going to be an up and down journey. But if you keep at it, the power of compounding will work. The other last closing thing I would say is 
most employers now, so if you are employed, most employers now have some sort of financial coaching. Obviously, we have a bias towards our financial coaching, but it's much, much broader than us. There are EAPs that provide free credit counseling. I mean, there's so many, there are credit unions that are doing education. There's so much you probably have available free of charge at work that can help you in a very personalized way. And you, you, you should take advantage of that benefit. If you aren't employed or your employer doesn't have it, take, do what Carl did. You know, he, he educated himself, right? He got Tony Robbins, whatever. I mean, obviously money strong is a great start, but, but whatever is going to resonate with you in terms of how you learn, make an investment in your own education because that will pay off hugely. So between what you have available at work and, you know, if you don't, what you can do, um, just finding resources that resonate with you that will help you become more financially literate, one of the best investments you can make. Wow. Okay. There were so many good takeaways in this episode. I just, I really love this conversation about authenticity in money. It's something that just really excites me to explore how money gets in the way of you being authentic or how it helps you be more authentic. Liz said, when we have enough, we feel comfortable and we can be more authentic. So I think the key here is just to figure out what enough really means to you. What would it look like to have enough so you could speak up at work and advocate for a pay raise or decide to find time and relax and enjoy everyday life or just shake things up in your life? To me, I think enough, it isn't just about having a ton of money, but about using what you have in the very best possible way. So that message was echoed by Carl and Liz, and I know that's what they want for you as well. They're so passionate about helping you get money strong and really just embrace where you're at, the amount of money you have, and keep marching towards your goals. You can grab a copy of Liz's book, Money Strong, everywhere books are sold. You can also follow all of Carl's adventures on his Instagram at Carl Nausbid. If you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone, tell them, hey, it's time you get money strong too. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as sponsors who make this show possible. I will see you right back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode.